Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson. My co-host here tonight is Uriah instead of Chris, sadly, because Chris was unable to attend. But Uriah is going to step in. He's going to have an awesome take for us tonight, guys. And we have a special guest, one of our reoccurring guests. Welcome back, Daryl Reynolds, former forward of National Championship 2016, Villanova. How are we doing tonight, guys? Doing good, man. Doing good. How you feeling? Been feeling good. I'm hyped to see preseason basketball. What about you guys? Hey, look, I've been waiting all week for this episode. Not only we have a, a great guest, we have Daryl on, uh, like you said, NCAA champion, Villanova Wildcat. But we're talking best or top basketball movies tonight. I, I can't wait to get to the end, guys. <laughs> can't wait. Uh, I say this. This is definitely as, as I'm trying to figure out this film thing. This episode is definitely what I need, man. So thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me on. Absolutely. For for sure. So Chris, I mean, not Chris, sorry. Chris must be talking about me. Uriah, <laughs> go ahead, man. Start us off. All right, cool, guys. So everyone listen out there, it, it's no surprise that there's drama with the Sixers and trade rumors about James Harden possibly becoming a Sixer. So we're going to kick things off with a recent report by Mark Stein. NBA reporter, and he said, and I quote, Philadelphia is the most likely destination for James Harden. So I think, Lucas, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it's resurfaced and things are a lot different now, right? So we got rid of Horford and Richardson. We drafted Maxi. We acquired Seth Curry, Danny Green, and Dwight Howard. So we're, we're going to swing Daryl's way with this question. Daryl, what do you think it's going to take for Houston to give up James Harden for a potential trade with the Sixers? Oh, man, a lot. (laughs) And I got to be honest, I I don't even, I haven't even really explored it because I'm so against it. It's not even funny. Um, Mm. (laughs) Yeah, man, I I get it. I get the allure of having a James Harden in Philly. I get it with him and me being cool and all that. But it just, it doesn't look right. And I, I think I'm at a point where I'm just, I love James Harden. Uh, but it was funny. Kobe had actually talked about it before he passed when he was they asked him about James Harden and Mike D'Antoni and what they were doing in uh, Houston. And he was like, they would never win a championship like that. The problem is, I think James Harden got to such a point where he doesn't know how to play any other way. I don't see it really. I see the mellow thing kind of happening. You know what I mean? Where it's like you love this guy, but are you really going to expect this guy to be on a championship team? No, because he has to be the guy and the way he plays doesn't really. I don't. I don't see it. I'm sorry. So I, I, you know, Chris really is for it, and you guys, if you read his stuff, you know that he's all for it. And I'm not totally against it, but I wouldn't give up Ben Simmons. I would try. I would wait Houston out because it's getting ugly in Houston. Harden hasn't, yeah. you know, made made sure he made it clear he didn't want to be there. He, you know, he had the he went to parties without masks on. He went to strip clubs. I don't think the same one that Lou Williams went to, so, you know, didn't get them. One of them the, lemon the, pepper wings. Exactly. <laughs> nah, I think these were in Vegas, but my, my point still stands here, guys, is that, you know, he doesn't want to be there. It's going to get ugly, and it's, I think that they're going to, they're not doing themselves a service by holding on to him. I think they, they should have traded him when he first asked. Because I don't think the offers are going to get better. Because he's a distressed uh, trade asset right now. I don't like referring to players as assets, but for sake of argument and for lack of a better term, that's what it is right now. So 
I think in overall teams are going to be able to get less. And I actually wrote about it in an ideal situation. The Sixers could acquire James Harden without giving up Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, but it would take Tobias Harris playing like an all-star. Yeah. Matisse Thibel playing at an all NBA defensive team, which isn't unrealistic to be honest. And Jake Milton becoming a sixth man of the year level type player, which yet again, not unrealistic is the Tobias Harris part that could happen. And, you know, I, some interesting response uh, when that article was post was like, if they're playing at that level, then we don't need James Harden. Yeah, exactly. Fair exactly. point. It's like, exactly. It's like in the best case scenario, guys are playing at, like you said, the level that they would need to trade James Harden. It's like, okay, then let's just keep this because these mm-hmm. guys are young. You can mold them and they're just a bit more team oriented, man. I just, the, the James Harden thing, mm-hmm. they just don't, I'm sorry, man. It don't sit well with me. I, I, I got to ask though, what, what is the allure? You say you're right. You're, you're into it. What, what is the, what is the thing? What is the draw on him? In the Here, I, I think if you look at what Harden can do on offense, compared to what Ben can do on offense, uh, I think clearly uh, he's a more complete player, Harden. Defensively, there's no comparison. Ben is a stud defensively. But I have an analogy, guys, I've been sitting on for a while, and this is the perfect podcast to share it. So, um, so Darrell, I'm going to hit you with a, a question. Right, we're going to switch uh, lanes in terms of sports real quick. So so you look at the running back position in football, right? I'm sure you follow football. What, what, are the, what would you say, Darrell, are the top two priorities for a running back? In what sense? I mean, I mean, what is a running back expected to do? Run the damn ball. <laughs> run the, okay, run the damn ball. And what and what else would, it, would a running back do coming not out the backfield? Yeah, not get hit. Maybe catch a couple passes out the backfield. I would say maybe I'm maybe I'm oversimplifying it. I'm sorry. I just I, but, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. So so here's my point. Um, protection. Okay, that's that's where I'm going with this. So check this mm-hmm. out. So a running back. Is definitely is definitely there to run the ball, right? Move the chains, um, catch pass out of the backfield, blocking. You know, picking up blitzes is probably not the most favorite thing or ideal thing yeah. for a running back. If you look at Brian Westbrook, he's five eight, strong as an ox, but if he's trying to you know block a six two, two ninety defensive end, that's probably not something he wants to do. But guess what? He did it, and he and he did it to the best of the ability because it's what the team needed. So I see Ben Simmons for the Sixers the past three seasons as the running back who refuses to block for the quarterback. And we all know that his shooting affects everything on the floor. His shooting affects spacing. It affects every aspect of a half-court offense. He's, he's a non-factor. It's like playing four on five. So yeah. I, I, would, I would lean toward that in that I would agree with Chris. If I were to trade for, for James Harden, I would give up Simmons, but I would not throw in – Matisse or Maxi, but the problem is Houston is going to want those guys in addition because Harden is a, a perennial All Star. So I I would do it, but I don't I don't think they would take uh, Harris Lucas. I don't think they would take Tobias. Uh, like I said, it was an ideal dream scenario that probably won't happen. And to Peggy, uh, you know, it's interesting, and we all actually me, you, and Chris uh, had this discussion on uh, Twitter. I think the best place for Harden is actually Milwaukee. Him and Giannis. Oh, that'd be I nasty. think that that would work. That would be nasty. That's a championship I, I team say, right there. I was just saying that the, the difference to me between Giannis and Ben Simmons is Giannis is willing to shoot. because It ain't like he's a knockdown three-point shooter. It's just that he's mm. willing to do it. 
But when mm-hmm. you solve that with offense, obviously he makes some. I'm not sitting here knocking a guy like he is who he is for a reason. But I just I feel like they're really not that different a player. Ben might be a little better on defense, but if you bring in hard offense to that Milwaukee team, like I don't see anybody stopping. That is a good that's a great call, bro. I didn't the only, think about that. The the only problem and Uriah brought this up on Twitter was what can what can Milwaukee offer? Because they traded most of their draft picks to the to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday, uh, Drew Holiday mm-hmm. which my retort is you give up Chris Middleton and then you give up your young guys, the like DiVincenzo and uh, Wilson. And I don't know who else they have young players wise, but you you sell the market on that and whatever picks you have left. That's the only way that you pull this off. And, but I think it's possible. And Milwaukee is on his short list as well as the Heat and the Nets. Now, I don't think the Nets have the capital to make this deal interesting enough for Houston. I think the the Heat do, actually. I think they do. You trade Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn. Um, I don't think they trade Bam. Yeah, no. But you trade them whatever picks you have left, which I don't think is a lot, but they have some. The Heat could pull it off, and I think you get an all-star back with Middleton from Milwaukee. I, nice. I think those two destinations are good for them yeah man it's to me it's like anywhere but philly i'm sorry i just don't <laughs> and it's like the thing that nobody's talking about is okay let's say you do trade a ben simmons Let, let's say let's say they go through this and they give up matisse Thibel, ben simmons and, and somebody else i don't know just just pick anybody else it's not going to be joel and b and how does that combination work how does the combination of james Harden and joel and b on the court work together that doesn't but, but, look but we already know, though. We already know, Daryl, because he played with a prime Dwight Howard, and that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, no, yeah, know, that's a good point. Me, yeah. Yeah, he B didn't work with Dwight. Of, exactly, and he's light years ahead of Dwight and like the planet perimeter more. It just does not – I don't mm-hmm. see any scenario outside of you giving up pretty much Ben and Joel and pretty much just making it hard as team, which, like, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. Right. I don't see any scenario where it ha- where it makes sense because of those two players and James Harden. Not necessarily everybody around him. Not you know, uh, Danny Green and and uh, Maxie and all those guys. I'm saying more so because of the the two biggest guys. Even if you take one of them out, them two and James Harden just ugh. It's, that's just well, the 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 all. other issue that we have to consider here is is how this trade would age. Let's let's be real. Joel Embiid's injury history is not great. His physical shape is not great. Do we really expect Joel to last past like another five, six years when he's in his early to mid thirties? No, nah, he's gonna. He's, he probably won't be an All Star by, by the age of thirty three, if not earlier. Like I'm not being pessimistic here. I'm being and, and you I heard this conversation argument from me before, but I hold to it. If you trade Ben Simmons, who, granted, had a little bit of injury problems this year, this past season, but overall is healthy, you're trading away 10 years of, like, prime Ben Simmons for maybe Harden, who's 32, maybe another four, three to five years of prime Harden. So after, after, so we're, with that in mind, him and Joel are probably going to drop off at the same time, and then the Sixers have to go through another rebuild. But with Ben, that's terrible. You can you can you know ride that wave for ten years or you know however long he stays in Philly. 
hopefully, yeah. you know, for his career. But still, you get where I'm coming from, yeah. Daryl? Absolutely. That, that's a, that's a, like, I, I see that you put some thought in this, man. That's a hell of a breakdown. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I didn't even, I didn't even factor that in either. Like it's only, I think we've been in a process so long and it's weird because they're so young, but it's like the clock is ticking. You know what I mean? And, and we're well, it's 26 up. now. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to look up in a couple of years and it's going to be like, all right, these guys kind of are what they are. You know what I mean? And, We've all seen cases where guys just didn't like Andrew Wiggins, probably like the best example. Guys just don't make it to that level that people think they're going to be. And it's not that they're not great players or max players mm-hmm. and things like that, but they're not this, you know, uh, top tier player that people project them to be early in their careers. Andrew Wiggins is still only 25. That's the crazy part if you think about it like that. Yeah. And it's crazy that we, at the end of the day, like the NBA is a grown man's league. Like LeBron mm-hmm. didn't win until what age? Jordan didn't really start running off his championships until like the latter part of his career. But it's just, it's also a young Steph Curry game. was what? Like Steph Curry was 28 when they won their first one? Yeah, man. LeBron was, LeBron was what? He's seven plus, he was 25. LeBron is a freak of nature. Let's just, he's in yeah, a league exactly. of his own in so many yeah. aspects. It's, it's ridiculous how he's still playing at such a high level. Yeah, for it's sure. not fair, man. Yeah. Not, you got you to give him the crown. <laughs> you got to get, maybe not the best legacy and story, but like pound for pound player wise. Come on. Oh, yeah. You can't deny it. Yeah. I don't think there's very few players that could stop LeBron. I think, have we ever really ran into a LeBron stopper? No, I, I can't oh, think wow. of can we, anybody. Can, can we count? <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe Kawhi. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Kawhi. Just, maybe. Can't stop him, then, but as far as the guy who limits him the best, I would definitely say Kawhi. I will say that there is one, that, you know, may he rest in peace, but there was one player that I loved watching defend Kobe Bryant, and that was James Posey. Now, I don't know if you guys remember James Posey. He won two championships. I remember Posey, yeah. First with the Heat and then with the Celtics. What he did to Kobe in the 2008 finals, uh, gosh, one of the best one-on-one defensive performances <laughs> that I've ever seen. And that takes out Iggy's or Kawhi's performance on LeBron. Like, he just shut Kobe down. Yeah. I guess if we're talking about championships, we, we might as well talk about the, the championship pedigree that's on this team right now. Because Daryl Morey made smart moves bringing in two players that just won a championship with the Lakers, the first being Danny Green. Now, Daryl, Green said recently that he's going to, you know, really encourage Ben to shoot. He's going to be in his ear, giving him confidence, trying to get him to shoot. Is this the year that Ben starts shooting? And is, it gonna, is Green's tactic going to work? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> that's why we gotta trade him trade him while he has value I'm gonna straight up call it what it is I love Ben Simmons I'm sorry I, I get it the shooting is, is terrible and I get the dilemma it raises but at the same time bro like the man does everything else right you know what I mean like I'm sorry mm-hmm. I am 100% for get the right team around him but um yeah, no, man. I just I, – I don't see I, – I feel like he's going to, like, kind of ease into it on his own. And you obviously thought he was going to start doing it in the bubble when he first came out and he was shooting and practice and all of that. But, like, I would not be surprised if he kept this up for his entire career. Because at the end of the day, what, like, nobody wants to talk about outside of the actual game of basketball is, like, a marketing technique, it's amazing. You're always going to be talking about Ben Simmons. It's like LeBron and his theatrics, like – 
yes, this guy is great at basketball, but because of what he does in interviews or what he says on Instagram and things like that, you're always going to be talking about him. And in that world, that equals money. So it's like if you always give people something to talk about, but you make the team just satisfied enough to where like you're winning and you're still an all-star, which he is, it's, it's, you kind of put people in a weird spot. You know what I mean? I, I, I got to be honest. I don't think at this point it's it's something that he just doesn't want to do. I kind of think it's like it's like uh it's like Anthony Davis' eyebrow. You know what I mean? Like, hold on, it works, it works. <laughs> Let us market this, it works. I think I think I have to agree with Daryl, and I don't think it's gonna work. It could work. I mean, philosophically with maturation, Simmons is what twenty four, going on twenty five, I think. However, you got to figure he, he does not know Danny Green. Okay. He's played against him for several years. There's no trust. There's no connection. It's a nice soundbite to tell reporters, yeah, I'm going to come in and I'm going to try and encourage my new teammate to be all that he can be. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> if Brett Brown couldn't do it and Brett Brown was coached his dad growing up, then who else is going to come in? Maybe Doc can can get to, through to him. But to your point, Daryl, about the marketing thing, I agree. I mean, to have his name always in conversation, that that's something that's going to benefit him in the long run. But if we're talking about wins, we're talking about W's, he's got to do what he has to do to help the team win. And I honestly don't know how much longer Embiid is going to, you know, say the right thing in front of the camera, you know, to say to stick up for him. Oh, he's not comfortable, and I'm gonna I'm gonna help open the lane for him. And it's going to get to a point where exasperation sets in, and Embiid is it's going to be. It's gonna. It's not gonna be pretty if he is still obstinate and chooses not to. He can shoot. He made a couple threes last year, but then as yeah. soon as his coach said, "Oh, I want Ben shooting a th- one three per game," and he just didn't shoot any the rest of the year. So what does that tell you about his psyche? So I, I think it won't work. What do you think, Lucas? Do you think Green will get through to him? It's a toss up, but I, I will say this about Ben: we all talked about when Markel couldn't shoot. It was the yips. Nah, it's it's Ben who has the yips because mm. it's not that he can't, it's that he won't. We've seen it in practice. We've heard him talk about it. We've seen it in games. It's not that he can't. He, people need to stop saying he can't. It's that he won't. And I don't. I, I've never thought about the marketing thing, Daryl. So I can't really speak on that. But I will say that this will, unless an interesting soundbite. Um, piggyback off of Sam Cassell, former player. He was actually one of my favorite point guards in the mid-2000s. He, he was a constant professional, really good, underrated in my opinion, but not the point here. The point is that, you know, he talked about working on his mid-range and his corner threes. If we can just see a mid-ranger from him this season, granted, it's not going to help in the grand scheme of the Sixers, you know, winning or losing games, but it's showing progress. And I think that's what we need to see this year. Some fight it if some mental win for Ben in terms of I'm willing to shoot mid rangers in game. That's a, that's a win for the Sixers. I I take that. I take that. And, anyway. and, but you know, I don't think it's going to be any one player. Because let's be real, Jimmy Butler probably confronted Ben on this. Jimmy <laughs> Butler's not on the team anymore. Yeah. There. So that yeah. didn't work out. Brett Brown tried to conf- confront Ben on that. Brett Brown's not on the team anymore. I'm pretty sure JJ probably talked to Ben about it at some point. Yeah. He's not on the team anymore. 
It, yeah, there's there's footage out there, Lucas, of uh, Jimmy Butler when he was here, it, and the mm-hmm. camera was just zoomed in on his face, and he's saying to Ben, he's like, "Shoot it!" You can read his lips. He's like, "Shoot it!" <laughs> so yeah, if, if Butler can't get him and persuade him, you know, what's Danny Green going to do? What is what is Danny Green? What is Doc Rivers going? Like it's 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 go- it's all on Ben. This season is on Ben. However good he's going to be, it's going to be on him. Yep. Doc Rivers has said that you know he wants him to attack more. If he if Ben Simmons takes twenty layups a game, awesome, awesome. But that's not going to win a championship in the playoffs. No, because defenses pack it in. They've been doing it ever since the Spurs did it to LeBron in two thousand. What was it? Thirteen. Two thousand seven. Like two thousand seven. Oh gosh, yeah, they did play against. That was two thousand. Yeah, yeah, they got swept. That was the first. Oh gosh, I remember watching that finals. That was brutal. That was brutal. Anyway, but you get what I'm saying, though. You yeah, get what absolutely. I'm saying. Is 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 that is that cool he can be aggressive but the jump shot is important now i'm not expecting him to hoist a three every game this year i don't think anybody would expect that but if you can uh, be a you know consistent threat from the mid-range or at least willing to try it, i think that shows mental progress i don't think we're going to see consistent three-pointer from ben until about year six or seven if we are going to see it progress needs to start being made or else you know you know, I know we're not saying he's a point guard this year, but you need to might might you might need to not have the ball in your hand. They need to think about getting somebody that can handle the ball so that he can he can play a more natural power forward position like Giannis. I don't know, man. It's such an anomaly. It's, I just I've really like I said, I, I gotta be honest, maybe I'm rooting a little too hard for him already, but it's just I'm around well, the idea of figure it out. Because I, I like the idea, like you said, like the mid ranges. You need that. Especially when he showed he could hit that little turnaround at the elbow and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I got to agree with you. He ain't going to just start just yanking three after three. I don't understand why people think. I'm not going to lie. Part of it, it seems like he thinks the same thing. I remember he made a comment last year. He was like, I'm not going to start shooting threes until I'm a 40% three-point shooter. And it's like, well, how the hell do you know that in the game? You know I mean? <laughs> if you don't even shoot it, how are you going to get the 40%? Exactly. exactly. You got to kind of take them to get that in the game because in practice, it's different. It's a different world, but I don't know. Well, let's let's go ahead and transition because, you know, Danny Green's not the only veteran on this team that has a championship yeah. title now. Dwight Howard, who was my favorite center in the mid late 2000s, Finally got his ring, and now he's mentoring Joel Embiid. So, what type, kind of example do you think Dwight can set for Joel, and what do you think Joel can learn from Howard? Uh, his motor, his motor, and I gotta be honest, I think there's a ton of guys that Joel can look at, um, especially he plays against Bam, being probably the, the prime example. But I think so much of Joel Embiid in game, like his his game, just comes down to the lack of a motor. He's so skilled, but it's the, and you, you want to blame this on him being in shape. Cool. I kind of do. You want to blame it on mentality. Cool. But whatever the hell it is, like he needs a a better motor. He needs, this game is too fast paced nowadays. And he kind of has that, like that old slug, as as skilled as he is, it's still that old sluggish, you know, um, kind of just mammoth up a sixer type of look. And that works for a Mark Gasol. You know what I mean? That that works for him. Obviously, he plays that position. But I don't know. I would like to see Joe Embiid, as young as he is, be a little bit more active 
And Dwight Howard, that's what he was in his prominence career because all he really had was athleticism. He wasn't a skilled guy, but he could just find a way to use his athleticism, his energy to just beat guys out. And then you saw it last year with the Lakers. It's like that's what he was expected to be. Nobody's passing the ball in there and expecting him to hit a bunch of jump hooks and stuff like that. But as far as being the guy who's always around the basket for putbacks and alley-oops and stuff like that, like that could be the difference between him being, you know, a very good player and all-star and him being unstoppable. So I, I think there's two two facets I want to go into here. One is the personality of both players in terms of how they connect. And then, of course, like Daryl's talking about their their games, right? It's all about what they do on the court. We'll start with that. I think defensively, they're very similar. And I think because Howard has had such a prolific career when it comes to defensive stats, rebounding, blocks, et cetera, I think he might be able to spend some time with Joel and, and give him some pointers that maybe Joel hasn't picked up yet in the league. I think the respect is there. Embiid was uh, on record for clearly mentioning that he fell in love with basketball in the NBA from watching the uh, NBA Finals with Kobe versus the the uh, Orlando Magic, which had um, Dwight Howard. So that's definitely a good connection for those two guys. I think they're both kind of jokers and, and kind of clowns in, the, in a positive way, not in a negative way. I just hope that a lot of the off-court stuff with Dwight Howard doesn't kind of infiltrate the locker room because he has some lawsuits going on and he has uh, some child support issues with, with different baby mamas. But I, I think he could learn something. And I, and, but the problem is guys is the Sixers don't have a, a, a LeBron James to lasso in, you know, some of the, some of the mess that happens outside of, 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 you know, NBA schedule. So I think he can learn some X's nose, but in terms of personality wise, I think I think it's a good match. I think you can learn a little something. So I was actually going to take that same approach here. I talk about the game and then talk about um, as well as the personality. Let's go to the game, like you said first. One thing that neither one of you guys mentioned was we talk about Dwight, as, you know, in terms of his defensive, you know, abilities. But one thing that Dwight was pretty underrated as as when he was, you know, in his prime with Orlando was his passing because he got double teamed all the time and he was a pretty good passer out of the double team. Now, we can all agree one weakness of Joel's game is passing out of the double team. So I think that's something yeah. that Dwight can definitely help him out with there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, there's there's aspects there. I think in terms of off the court, you know, they're both kind of jokers, but I think I, I'm not so worried about Dwight because I think he's had that humbling experience. So I'm not worried about him you know, being a cancer in the locker room like he had been with, like, Washington, Charlotte, and Atlanta. I think he's humbled, and I don't think he's going to cause problems there. And I honestly think that maybe Joel can take a, you know, page or two out of his book when, you know, time to get serious versus time to get fun. Conditioning-wise, we'll have to wait and see. Dwight Howard's a different body type than Joel, so we can't really expect Joel to be able... I mean, Dwight to be able to be a huge impact on... Do well in that regard, but we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah. I'm not too worried. Oh, yeah. I think he's, I think he's going to be a positive off the court impact, and I think offensively his impact is going to be a little is underrated, especially when it comes to the pick and roll, because that's another weakness of Joel's game, or not a weakness. That's not exploited strength yet. No, no, no. I, um, I, I absolutely like. I don't think that he's just going to turn into a pseudo Dwight Howard. That's not, not say the motor thing. I mean more so going against a guy like that every day in practice. 
you know, mm-hmm. getting advice from him in the locker room and seeing how he made it at certain points in his career because it's like, you know, the beauty of a, a Dwight Howard, and I'm not throwing them in the same category, but I'm just using this as an example as far as guys who know who they are and they just exploit the hell out of it. Bam might be another great example. He's probably the best example to me right now as far as younger guys going to NBA. You have these guys that don't have all these abilities as Joel B. So they have to find these things that they're good at and just really double down on that. But that's the mm-hmm. things that makes their team great. With a draw on beat, it's like you're good at so many things, you don't really focus on any one thing. And it's like I really feel like as good as he is skill-wise between his footwork and his shooting ability and all of that, if he was just to add that motor, and I'm hoping he gets from Dwight Howard just from being around him, just mm-hmm. playing stories around mm-hmm. him, just playing every day in practice against him and and – well, not every day in practice, because Lord knows the NBA real like practice. But going against a guy like that, I would hope that it would kind of rub off. But we're going to see, man. It's funny, as we're talking about this, I realized that none of these questions for Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid are new questions. And they've been posed <laughs> by several people. It's just, yeah. I hope this yeah. is the group that gets through to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Daryl, I, I, I finally remember what I was going to ask you earlier when we were on the oh, subject good. of Ben. Uh, have you ever dealt with a teammate in college or otherwise that just had a mental block that you know you've seen them do something in practice, but they didn't have the confidence to do it in the game? And how how do you address that as a teammate? I say so. What's funny is is it's like people don't understand it. Everybody has that. There's something that every player does that is just like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like they they just yeah. kind of do something that seems so backwards. But shooting is such a ostracizing uh, ability to not have in the game of basketball, especially today. That's why it's so much focus and how good he is and everything. But I've seen things from, like, the gambles that guys take on defense, like, every time. Like, no matter how many film sessions we watch, they've got screamed on and yelled at. And you know, how many times <laughs> it's cost us in big moments, it's like they just can't. They, it's something, thing, certain things just don't click on uh, defense with just rotations and things like that. It's usually something of that nature. Offensively, I think the most frustrating thing I played against or played with, shall I say, is like somebody who just makes terrible decisions. And I ain't gonna name no names, but when it comes time, they just give up the ball. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And it's frustrating as hell. I, I, you kind of rally around them as a team and hope they get it over time. But let's be honest, like I didn't play at a level where a guy's making a hundred million dollars. It's kind of hard to tell him anything. You know what I mean? It's just a mm-hmm. young kid, he's twenty. You say he's twenty-four at this point. Like, you tell a twenty-four-year-old who has that much money and power to do something after they already do so many things well. I can imagine that's a that's a tough conversation. Younger generation thing. Like, if I'm doing this so well, why do I need to do? I do this. Like, can't you just be satisfied with what I'm doing? Yeah. I think that's a that's a younger generation thing. I think Ben yeah. needs to Ben needs to unlock or or pull up a DVD or download, stream something about Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, period, period. Because if, if you're, if you were, you know, if you're worth your 150 million or whatever they make, whatever Ben makes, I forget his contract, but you should want to round your game out and, and be the best that you can be, not just for yourself, but for your team. Because if you remember what Jordan went through after he lost, they got trounced two years in a row against the Pistons back in the eighties, the late eighties. Mm-hmm. He realized he's getting beat up. So he lift. went in the weight room. I got exactly I got a lift. And now he probably not something he was looking forward to doing, but he did what he had to do. And once Ben realizes that his his deficiencies affect the team 
more than he realizes then until he realizes that, that it's going to be the same thing every year. But, you know, the interesting thing here is that probably the best comps for Ben is not like mentality, though. He does. He doesn't have that type of mentality, though. So I don't think that's. Yeah. Well, that's that's the problem. But I mean, like younger people and I say younger, but he's only four years younger. But like that's a big difference in like how our generations think, though. So, guys, we're going to jump into our next subject here. And we can kind of presume, even though Doc, you know, teased media the other day when media asked about the starting five, we can kind of presume it's probably most likely going to be Embiid, Simmons, Curry, and Green. So we're, uh, you know, I'm going to ask, you know, Daryl and Uriah about what, who, how that starting five stacks up against the best in the East. So we're going to, Daryl, I'm going to start with uh, we're, I'm going to start with the Heat with you here, and it's going to be the Heat starting five, and we're going to go based off of last season, which is which was Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy Butler, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, and Miles Leonard. Who has the better starting five? On paper, the mm-hmm. Sixers. Okay, on paper, but that I, I, I say on paper with like caps because. <laughs> It's, it's, I'm, I'm tired of kind of being you know, convinced by the way this thing looks with them that it's immediately going to work out on the floor. I'm okay. For the Sixers, pound for pound. But as far as like a more cohesive unit and who I see being better, obviously, early on, Miami. I, I'm going to go and disagree with Daryl this time around. And I give the slight okay. edge because of one player, and that player is Jimmy Butler. We yeah. saw what he did in the finals against the Miami, against the Lakers. And he, he did it with, um, you know, their second best player, Hurt. I think the first two games, Bam out of Bayou. So I, I love the Sixers starting five. I love the addition of, of Curry and Danny Green. But I'm going to give the slight edge to Miami for the simple reason of they have Jimmy Butler, who is the ultimate clutch player. So what do you think, Lucas? So it's interesting that even though Miami has this regular season starting five, it is not their best combination that they can put out on the court. It's probably something like Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, probably Mel Harkless now that or Iggy, you know, Iguodala, Andre Iguodala and uh, Bam at the five. But in terms of starting five, I'm going to go with like on paper, it should be the Sixers, but I would expect at least the first matchup of the season, the Heat to come away with it just because they're like, it, like you guys said, they're more cohesive and Jimmy Butler. He's something special, but I, I do fear for his longevity, though. We'll see what happens there. Moving on to the next team, the former NBA champions of the 2019 season, the Toronto Raptors. They're starting to look more and more or less like that team. And their starting five this year is projected to be Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Aaron Baines. So, Daryl, who's better? The Raptors started. Who's who has the better starting five? Uh, the Raptors or the Sixers? The Sixers. I just like you said. It's the, it's not it's not what it used to be. And I think that Raptors team. I'm not saying they're not good. Obviously, like you see what they did, but um, I feel like a lot of them caught lightning in the bottle. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I don't see them being the same team. So I got to go with the Sixers. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Sixers, too. I think the slight edge goes to the Sixers simply because they have Curry in the lineup, Seth Curry. And without Horford clogging things up and and not being the player that they had hoped he would be from Boston, I think the Sixers, they definitely, if they went toe-to-toe in a series, I think the Sixers would would beat Toronto. What do you think? 
I think that you're right that they would be the Toronto, but it has it actually has less to do about their starting five because Aaron Baines is a pretty solid defender against Embiid. He's not as on the Al Horford, Marcus All level, but you know Marcus All's not there anymore, and neither is Serge Ibaka, two guys that were pretty solid defenders on Embiid. They're gone now, and Aaron Baines is like a, a like B plus defender versus they were a you know A level defenders. So I think that makes a big difference. And behind Aaron Baines, they don't really have legit center depth. They got Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn is not going to stop Joel Embiid in the second unit. (laughs) Probably not. So, like, no. And, yeah, you know, unless Ananobi takes a big leap this year, you know, they're still going to be somewhat limited, you know, offensively at the three position. So I don't see the Raptors being better. I think they'll... In terms of talent, no, but Nick Nurse is a heck of a coach, so you can't count them out. But I don't. I think in a seven-game series, the Sixers win that one. Moving on to the Celtics. Uh, now, the Celtics have two of their starters injured to begin the season. So without Kemba Walker or Tristan Thompson available, their projected starting five is going to be Jeff Teague, Marcus Mark, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Daniel Tice. So, guys, is this starting five better than the Sixers? I don't want to take this one first. I got to be honest. <laughs> oh, you can, why not, uh, man? You, no, you, you go ahead. Set the tone, I'm, I'm, man. I'm set still, the tone. I'm still kind of thinking about it. Oh, uh, okay. About it. All right, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. So I, I'm going to give the Sixers the slight edge. Even with Kemba Walker in the in the lineup, I think the Sixers will be better. Now, Tristan Thompson does add a little bit more to their, their depth at, you know, at forward or center with his ability to rebound like crazy. But I, I really think that Ben being out of the playoffs last year really impacted that series. I mean, Joel went off averaging 30, 31, and 13. However, just losing Simmons on the defensive end and then as a distributor, it, it, it changed the, the whole landscape of that series. So I think with him being back in the lineup, in the starting lineup, with the addition of Curry and Green, I think the Sixers, I think they have a better starting lineup. Are you ready, Daryl, <laughs> or do you need more time? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I had to. I had to put that in perspective that he wasn't in for that series. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Lucas. So I'm actually going to disagree here because several reasons. Let's just working under the assumption that the Celtics eventually get healthy. Kemba Walker comes back 100 percent. Tristan Thompson comes back healthy. Thompson's not going to stop Embiid, but he is better than what they've had in the past. That being said, I think Jason Tatum's going to be in the MVP conversation this year now that Gordon Hayward's not taking shots from him. I also, as well as Ben Simmons guards him, you know, I think also Jalen Brown takes a leap as well into an all-star level play. I mean, he basically was there last year, but it's definitely going to happen this year. And Marcus Smart is a really good defender. He would shut down probably Seth Curry offensively. So, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are no jokes defensively either. So as much as, I mean, unless you're betting on good points, make good points. I mean, like I'm a Sixers fan and I'm betting on like Joel Embiid's difference maker for the Sixers in this, because matchup wise Sixers do not match up well on against the Celtics on the perimeter. They just don't. Cause we saw Jason Tatum shut down Tobias Harris in the playoffs. Jalen Brown can shut down uh, whoever he's defending. And Kemba Walker, yeah, he's going to be a defensive you know, liability, but at the end of the day, 
if you're betting, you know, whoever is being guarded, Danny Green probably, to exploit Kemba Walker, that's not going to happen, especially at his age. So it's not a good matchup, guys. I, I hate to say it, like, <laughs> but it's not. If the if the Celtics are healthy, that's a that's a problem matchup for the Sixers. There, I'm not saying that they can't win it, but it'd be a it would be a close seven game series. The Nets, we're, we're I'm projecting that uh, that based off of comments that we've heard from from training their training camp that Durant's going to start at the three. He might play some five two, which would be scary, but you know, I'm projecting him to start at the three. So what I'm projecting is that Kyrie, Joe Harris, KD, Terry and Prince, and DeAndre Jordan is that starting five better than the Sixers? I got to be honest, that's a coin toss for me. Like, it, it depends on the night because KD, man, I'm sorry. Like, you just And Kyrie, obviously, nobody's shutting him down, but, but KD is just such a – nah, shit, if anything, I got to lean closer to, to the Nets. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Nets – when I got, the, when I got the, um, the lineups, Lucas, I got it from uh-huh. Bleacher Report, and they, they published it, I think, yesterday – and they had Levert in the starting lineup. And if Levert's in the starting lineup, you definitely got to tip your hat to the Nets. Uh, I think just recently, either today or yesterday, the Nets had a preseason game. And, yeah, I know it's preseason. But Kyrie was going off. Durant was showing who he is, a future Hall of Famer. And then Joe Harris spreading the floor and DeAndre picking up the scraps and getting boards. That team, that's going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem mm-hmm. in the East. And, and Daryl, earlier we were talking before we, we came on officially that <laughs> it, the East is going to be something to reckon with. It's not always about – it's not going to be about the West anymore. And I think the Nets lead that way. So I have to give I have to give it to the Nets over the Sixers. Yeah, I'm going to say the Nets too, but it's not just the starting five because I think they have a balanced starting five. You have two alls, you know, two primary scorers. You got two guys that will spot up and do, Tyrion Prince and Joe Harris. You got DeAndre Jordan, who's a, who's you know the trash man. He picks up the trash, and he gets you know the rebounds, putbacks, all that stuff. That's all he needs. I hear that a lot. That you know Levert's not going to start because he needs the ball in his hands. So I think the second unit led by Dinwiddie and Levert is going to be mm-hmm. scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to be one of the best. That's a nightmare right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like very nobody's going to want to deal with that because they're that's a starting front uh, backcourt mo- on most teams. So that's going to be star- scary. And then, of course, the last but not least, Milwaukee Bucks projected to have Drew Holiday, Dante DiZincenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. Who has the better starting five guys? Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no elaboration needed. Just. That just the addition of Drew Holiday. No, 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 no. I'm oh. just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was joking. I was joking. Um, I thought you were showing favor for Dante. I thought you were exactly. showing a little Villanova exactly. favor. That's why I said it. That's why I said it. Uh, but in all reality, no, no. The Sixers. The Nine even say I'm not going to say my bar, but the Sixers. Okay, wow. explain that one. Yeah, yeah. Break that down for me, man. I'm curious. I just, I, I just, I'm not. I'm all right. So this is what it is, and I will admit this. I've never been sold on Milwaukee. It's something about them that reminds me of that that Clippers team with Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and mm. um, DeAndre Ooh. Jordan. As good okay. as it does yeah. on paper, every time it's time for them to perform, it just doesn't work out. 
and I'm a huge Giannis fan for the sake of just being a fan of basketball. But his game, it's just I, I don't as much as a leader and as like as 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 dominant as he is, I just don't I don't see him being enough. And it's not like the talent behind him with those other four guys is as close as it is with a Ben Simmons, Joel and B. You know what I mean? Like his 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 second guy, obviously, if you want to say Drew Holiday, you can say Drew Holiday. I, I love that. Like Drew Holiday isn't what Drew Holiday was uh towards the end of his Sixers run when he made that all-star game. You know what I mean? So it's like mm-hmm. to act like Drew Holiday today, as solid as he is, is as good as a follow-up as a whoever you want to say is the best. Rather you say Ben's the best and his follow-up is Joel, or you say Joel's the best and his follow-up is Ben. To me, just based off the one and two spot, it's such a, a, a difference. It's such a drop-off in the two. And then you go down the list for the rest of them, I got to give it to the Sixers. I'm going to disagree. I think okay. I think that um... – I think we got to put some spec on his name, Drew Holiday. <laughs> put some spec on that man's name because, I mean, you got to figure this. In my opinion, Daryl, and I respect your your opinion highly, you look at Giannis, he's obviously your number one option. Chris Middleton is, is still your number two option, in my opinion. And Drew Holiday, he's, he's not he'll, – he'll never be a third wheel. He's, he's a potential all-star. I mean, he's been one in the past – but if you take him out of New Orleans where he was expected to be a first or secondary scorer and you relieve him of that pressure, look look at what look at what happened in Golden State where they had won a championship already. They had Steph Curry and they had uh, Thompson. And then you bring in another star, another guy who doesn't have the pressure to be the number one option, which is Durant. They They just ran the tables in the West. So I think Drew elevates that team. I think Dante... I, I thought the Sixers should have picked Dante, and I, not just because I'm a homer. I love Villanova. I love the Sixers. I really think he's has a higher ceiling than people are giving him credit for. I, he could Absolutely. be he could be the key to that team unlocking you know a championship run. So I'm going to give this, the edge to the but plus. Uh, look what Brooke Lopez does. He pulls and beat away from the rim. So I, I think the Bucks had the better starting five. Lucas. So. It's interesting that you brought up, you know, pulling Joel away from the rim with Brooke. But honestly, Joel's not going to be guarding Brooke most of the time. Joel's going to be bar- guarding Giannis because Joel's one of the few players in the NBA that can give Giannis problems. Right. We've seen it in the past. Now, granted, Giannis can have big games, but Joel usually counters that with his own big game. Giannis, ben and Joel are the two top five players that you want guarding Giannis in a, in a seven-game series. Outside of Kawhi, Marcus Saul, maybe Al Horford. Well, actually, no, Giannis figured out yeah, Al Horford at one point. Um, but you guys, you guys get what I'm saying here. That being said, I love Drew Holiday. He's one of the best. He's uh, His peers call him the best guard defender in the league. Offensively, he's pretty solid. I don't know if he's a true one or two because, you know, with the Sixers, he was a point guard, but then with the Pelicans played a lot of off ball, but he still averaged like six assists a game. I don't know if he's your starting point guard for an NBA championship team. I know this sounds awful. I think he's better as a two. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be using him as a point guard. And I honestly don't know who's better in my mind's eye. Who's better? Who's the true number two? Is it Chris Middleton or is it is it Drew? And that's just something that they have to figure out. But I hold like. I don't think they're going to win a championship with the squad. I think they need to make the trade for James Harden. I think that gives them a championship. 
I think Harden and Giannis is like as close as what you're going to get to uh, as close as what you're going to get to beating you know Anthony Davis and LeBron James because I honestly think it's their championship to lose this year as much as I'm a Sixers fan. Let's be real. Oh yeah. There's there there's unless Durant and Kyrie surprise, but I think. I honestly think Kyrie's ego is going to get in the way there again eventually at some point. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not trying to bust on the guy. He's just everywhere he goes, pre-LeBron, yeah. the team was awful. Yeah. When he was in Boston, they played better without him. Brooklyn, they played better without him last season. Like Kyrie, Kyrie's on another planet. He's talking about he doesn't talk to pawns. Well, he, he's, well, he also thinks he's the world's another, flat, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so, we don't need to worry about the Nets as much as we yeah. thought. But uh, no, but seriously though, um, are they better? I think it's an even. I think it's a coin flip at this point. It just depends on the development of Shea, the Sixers bench of Shake Milton, Matisse Thybul, what Maxi can give us this season. You know, I think that's going to be the coin flip that wins that series for the Sixers because the Bucks lost some depth with their trade. Uh, they got rid of George Hill and Bledsoe, and but the Sixers gave, they got better depth. So we'll see what happens. I know Uriah, this is it's your time to shine. I'm, I'm guys. I've been looking forward to this all week. We posted uh, the social media question of the week, and uh, when I created the the graphic, I tried to squeeze as many movie posters in as I could. So. Uh, if you saw that image and you chimed in on the Sixer Sense Facebook page or the Twitter account, uh, we're going to throw some more movies out there at you. Right now, we're going to dive into the top basketball movies of all time. And what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to put I'm going to give everybody a clue. All right. Just a one word clue. And if you think you know the name of the movie, then just say the name and I'll let you know. And then we can rate it from one to five stars, right? And since they're so great, there shouldn't be anything less than a three. Let's just put it out there. So here's the first clue for uh, Daryl and Lucas. First clue is Jesus. He got game. All right, he got game. All right, no brainer. <laughs> so so Daryl, what, what, what's your thoughts on he got game with Denzel Washington and Ray Allen? Oh man. I. In my personal opinion, it is the best film on basketball. Um, okay, because number one, he 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 did what they did in Belly, which was take a guy with no acting experience and give him a script and put enough people around him that makes him look like he's at least half decent. But mm-hmm. the basketball scenes were authentic when they were playing. Um, even down to Denzel, you know what I mean? In the scene at the end when mm-hmm. they played one on one, his father and son, it just it. it yeah, it's not worse than watching a basketball game when you like see somebody's jump shot. It's like, oh, what the hell was that? You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't look mm-hmm. real, but it was authentic. <laughs> yeah. um, not only to the play, but also the, the 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 things that you know he was talking about him going to college and the things he had to look out for. The conversation where he had the guy in the car, he was telling him all oh, the yeah. stuff that he had to watch out for. I was like, this is pretty. It's pretty realistic. So that's a five star for you. That's a five. Oh my god! If I give five a six, star. I give a six star. <laughs> Lucas, did you see he got game? I know about Jesus Shuttlesworth, but sadly, no, I have not seen the movie itself. Well, put it in the queue, man. It, put it on your list. I'll chime in for you, man, because I saw he got game. I think I saw it when it when it came out back in, I think it was 98, 99. So 
great acting. Denzel was great. Like you said earlier, um, taking an actor or taking someone who's not familiar with the the whole acting scene like they did in Belly with DMX and Nas and all them guys. So I, I agree with you, but I have a quick, quick uh, little tidbit, little fact. So I, I think I was I read the biography of AI and also read the biography of Spike Lee, but I can't remember where this detail comes in. But did you guys know that Spike Lee wanted Allen Iverson to play that role of Jesus Shuttlesworth? Did you know that? No. I he know, wanted that would have Yo, he wanted AI so bad. I think Spike Lee actually stalked him to a point. Now, this is back in like 96, 97. You know, AI is not thinking about memorizing lines. He probably wouldn't even show up to rehearsal, you know, for acting. <laughs> but, but, but guys, think about that. I love Ray Allen. I think he did a, a good, a decent job. But could you imagine AI's just legendary status if he was Jesus Shuttlesworth? That's just something to think about. Yeah, man. That and if anything, that story was kind of I'm not saying it was his story, but it was a little bit closer to his story than Ray Allen's. Um, you know, I actually saw I, I, I saw the Allen Iverson uh bio flick on Netflix and that was really good. I know it's probably not one of our options, but that it's a good watch if you guys haven't seen it yet. Oh, there's a couple there's a couple good AI documentaries out there and and we definitely want to check that out. You said it was on Netflix, Lucas? Yeah, yeah, last time I saw it, which was couple of years ago cool all right here's the next clue for the next movie you got to get this one aliens space jam. space jam space jam lucas why don't we go with you first man you had to have seen space jam of course i, I saw space jam when i was like five or six that's that was my first introductory to basketball though i didn't end up playing it until i was in seventh grade but um, no, I, I, I loved it when I first saw it, I was a little kid, so I was more into the Looney Tunes than I was about, you know, Michael Jordan, but I have the movie now. I try to get my daughter to watch it. She's two, so she's not really into it yet, but, um, you know, it's fun. Michael Jordan put his hand into acting. It wasn't bad. It, as an adult, you can hear, you can see a lot more of the jokes. Uh, I remember, um, Larry Bird was in it, and I think one of the <laughs> actors in it, he was just, uh, Michael Jordan was talking to the, the, the guy, the, the, uh, the actor. He was also in Tr- Jurassic Park, the, the, the husky guy. You guys know who I'm talking about. Oh, the about. short guy. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the yeah, glasses. Yeah. His assistant. Yeah, and no, no, no. He was talking to Bill Murray. Never mind. He was talking oh, okay. to Bill Murray, yeah. and Bill Murray was just like, you guys need more white guys in the NBA. <laughs> he was like, what do you mean? We have Larry Bird. He's like, no, Larry Bird's not white. He's just see-through. He's yeah, he's clear or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And it was just it's so funny. It's so funny. But no, it's a, it's a family film for sure and uh, you know, that in the fact that Michael Jordan made that joke and it, it was a funny joke, but it's a family film. It's fun. It's, you know, Looney Tunes definitely were bigger back then than they are now, but I think it was a good film overall. How many stars? I give it a, a 5, yeah. All right. Daryl, Daryl, you want to add anything to that? No, no, no. I mean, for me, it was. I'm, so I'm actually about to send y'all a picture right now that like is like one of the top pictures from my childhood. But my dad actually had this like artist who used to come into the barber shop because he's a barber. He was coming okay. to the barber shop like trying to hawk off his art. And he made me like this like cheap rendition of uh, Space Jam. And I was in place of like either Bugs Bunny or Michael Jordan. I couldn't tell which one. But bottom line is one of my favorite posters as a kid. Space Jam for me was it. Like it was everything. 
oh, the yeah. crossover of the animation and the real life. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan in the '90s, let's call it what it is. Like, there's nothing cooler, you know what I mean? And Michael Jordan mm-hmm. in the '90s, and nah, Space Jam for me, it really helped sum up the '90s in many ways. Like outside of a ba- just a basketball movie, so huge place in my heart. Five out of five again. Did did that did that movie inspire you to start loving basketball? No, nah, not really. Not really. I, I can't even say that. I can't even say that. I didn't start playing until later. I played football first. Um, but just, it was just, to me, it was very well executed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was, and then once we found, we got older and found out how daring that was and how like mm-hmm. pivotal that was. Like we're used to seeing films like that as we, as, you know, now, but back then that was very, they kind of pioneered something. So the fact that it turned out so well was just a nod to how great of a job they did. I think, Lucas, for me, you you brought back a memory. You talked about the humor. And I think that's what most people enjoyed about that movie, other than Michael Jordan being larger than life himself at that time. But if you think about the humor, Bill Murray brought so much to that movie. There's a scene toward the end uh, where they're in the huddle and the game is tight. And Bill Murray's going off. He's like, all right, Rabbit, you get the ball and you go to the hole. And then Jordan was like, whoa, 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 Bill, we're on defense. And he's like, oh, no, no, I don't do defense. It's just like... Refer to Michael. So the humor was was, was great. The, the animation crossover, like you said, Daryl was on point. And the the one another interesting fact, random facts I have. So when they were filming that movie in L.A., Jordan had a, a, a he set up a basketball court so that he could play pickup between all of the scenes that they were that they filmed. That's how that's how just obsessive Jordan was to keep getting better and to bring out Reggie Miller and even Sean Bradley and all those guys. So, so yeah, I give it a five out of five. All right, next next movie, guys. Here's your clue. Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Damn. Jeopardy. Um, all right, I'll give you another one. Jimi Hendrix. All right, here's the next clue. Woody Woody and Wesley. Oh. Go I'm not going to say because I butchered No, no, you got to say it. This is the reason why we're doing this this week. Go ahead and say it. Wait, what? White men can't jump. Thank you. No, no Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, Daryl. So, Lucas, last week on the podcast, we were talking, well, before or after, uh, we were talking about movies, and, and Lucas dropped out. He's like, yeah, white men got hops. <laughs> white men got <laughs> hops. Don't, say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know what? I think I'll it's take cute. It's cute. It's cute, man. I, you, you know, obviously, for the for our listeners, I have not seen it. No, I have not. It's I all failed right. in that regard, and it's obviously, right. I butchered the name. I butcher names all the time. Ask the students that I teach; they know. Lucas is a busy man. He's gonna he's gonna add that to his queue on top of he got game. So um, go ahead, Daryl. White man can't jump. Give us the stars and your your thoughts. Um, I I, I gotta give it a. I gotta give it a three, and I, I gotta be honest. What? As, yeah, oh, I, I, killing yeah, me. I'm sorry. I'm killing sorry me. to be that guy. It's just I understand it's iconic because of the era, um, but the basketball in it to me it wasn't a a basketball movie. It was about a movie about two dudes who were crooks who played basketball, okay. and I just I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I hate to be that like critical guy, <laughs> but it's just. As I was watching it, I was like, when they were had a playing scenes, I was like, this is, we're getting cheated. It was very funny, though. I, I think out of this list of movies, to me, it was the funniest. And you're right, Space Jam had great humor, but, like, they had some some jokes in there and some little little things they were working. It's like, oh, God, they're, they're really on it. 
All right, so I'll give you I'll give you a pass on that one. I, I'll give it a four. I'll give it four stars. It, it's definitely I agree. The basketball footage was kind of spotty. You can tell when there's that one scene where um it was it Wesley went up for a shot and you could tell he let the ball go before Woody Harrelson slapped it away. So the, the realism wasn't there, but it was very entertaining. I could watch that movie any day of the week. I, I love those two. They they actually were in a couple movies together, Wesley and Woody. They were in Money Train and they were in Wildcats mm. together. So they're a good tandem. Um, hey, Uri, I got the picture yeah. from uh, from Daryl. I'm going to send it to you right now. Yeah, send that to me. I thought he was emailing it, but yeah, just you, you, you got some uh, you got some real knowledge of the '90s, man. I'm an old head, man. I'm 44. I love 44. it. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it's just, it's not, but I'm saying, but not just the highlights. You know what I mean? It's right. Not just the, it's not just those moments of like, oh, they, obviously you're going to remember, you know, Jordan and winning the sixth championship and stuff like that. It's very, very detailed. I appreciate that. The 90s was everything. The 90s, those were the, those were the good old days. So, look at <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll check out that picture when we're done. Um, here's the next uh-huh. one. All right. Here's the next clue. For the next movie, wig. You Jim want a man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> that wasn't oh, that wasn't man. part of the list, but since so many people have seen that, we we can just have a little fun with it. What What do you think, Lucas? Juana uh, man, what do you like about that movie? It was a comedy. I mean, it, the basketball was honestly not that great in the movie. At least in my opinion, it was more of a comedy, and I mean, it was funny. And I mean that at the end of the day, that that's what it was. I mean, the guy, he went through some personal growth, sure, but it, it was a comedy first and foremost. Yeah. And I love comedy, so that's uh, I give it probably a three, three point five out of five. Daryl, your favorite movie, Joanna Man. <laughs> four out of five. Oh, uh, four out of five. You gave it a four. Wait, you gave yeah. it a four before over over White Man Can't Jump. <sighs> well, I tell you, it was I was watching White Man Can't Jump, and like I said, it's I, I'll be honest. Like I have these things where I'll get something in my head about an actor or a player, and I just can't let it go. And it was just like. I love right. them, the combination of, of Wesley and Woody, but I, I just wasn't a fan of of them okay. as basketball players. It was right. too cheesy. And yeah. like you say, you know, like it was to me, I would say white man can't jump is still kind of like a comedy. You know what I mean? It's it's a little bit wittier, but it's still a comedy. Like when Main Man said he was going to the the car to get his gun, like right. I wasn't terrified of that scene. I was cracking up because the way he kind of <laughs> laid it out. Like yeah, y'all gonna have a problem when I get back. The way he said it was hilarious, but yeah. Joanna man completely into the comedy. Yeah, I, I, I gotta give it a four out of five. I think yeah. it was better. It was definitely a one for me. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I can't even comment on it. I, actually, my sister made me watch it. My sister and my stepmother, they, they made me watch Juana, man. I just kept shaking Aww. my head all the time. Like, what am I watching right now? <laughs> all right. So, sure, sure they did. Sure they did. So here's the next movie. And I'm sure that both of you have seen this. And here, here's the clue. I'm just going to give you an actor from the movie. But not the main character. Not, not the main actor. Channing Tatum. Coach Carter. Uh, Coach yeah, Carter. yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Lucas. What's how many stars? What do you think of uh, Coach Carter? Five out of five. One one of the best basketball movies in history, in my opinion. Samuel Jackson does his thing. The it addresses a lot of the major issues in, for inner city kids, and I think the basketball on it was pretty 
you could tell that some some of it was scripted, but the it, you know the players had to have legit talent to pull off what they pulled off. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I would say a five out of five for me. <laughs> if this was Uno, like I I just envision myself throwing down a draw for. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't stand Coach Carter. I hate what? Coach what? Wow! Please, <laughs> please give us details. We have to. My know. mind is blown. Okay. Yo, yo, I'm gonna tell y'all the two highlights of Coach Carter: Samuel Jackson, <laughs> and the more powerful than we. Uh, what, what was what was the speech? Uh, oh yeah, belief. To me, uh, outside of that that movie, I don't know if it hit a sore spot, but the mm-hmm. way they portrayed basketball players to be and some of the things they did off the court because that was so much of the film, it mm-hmm. was so hard to stomach for me. That It was bring it on of basketball to me. Ooh, wow. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. Went cheerleader That's movie. Jackson. Comparison. With cheerleader. Jackson. Mm. Wow. <laughs> what, what is your comparison for Spirit Fingers? <laughs> oh, jeez, man! I just couldn't. Yeah, man. I don't. I don't know what it is to me. I, I remember like watching. I watched it as a kid, obviously, <clears throat> and then I was like, "All right, maybe I was harsh on this." And I watched it when I got older, and I was like, "I just can't stomach the characters." I, I will say this though: their ability to be so good at basketball and really portray basketball play like on the court. I was like, this is this is next level. Because usually, like I said, the actors, it's just they suck. And it's like, it's obvious these dudes have never done anything athletic in their life. Um, they did a good job with that. And for that, I got to give it a three. But I, I can't stand Coach Carter, bro. But let me let me ask you guys a question. The guy that uh, played um, the the power forward, the guy who, who had his, the, the pregnant girlfriend, um, was he the say? Was he one of the football players? And um, he was he the main one of the main football players? And remember the Titans as well? I don't think so. Uh, it's been a while. I don't. He, the guy's really tall, like six eight, six nine. Yeah, yeah. He was the power no. or center on the team. No, he definitely was not in. Remember the Titans? I've seen that movie a thousand times. I mean, I, I, I okay. I wasn't sure because I was like, it could look similar, but it could just be. Like I haven't, I haven't seen Remember the Titans in a while, so maybe I'm just getting it messed up in my head. So the next movie, I'll give you some, I'll give you a hint. Uh, I actually just watched this movie today, guys, so it's fresh in my brain. So here's the hint: Pat Riley, Kentucky, Texas, Texas Western, Glory Road. Yeah, Glory Road. Yeah, my fault. Yeah. My fault. My no, that's fault. Right. no, that's all right. Yeah. So you did see uh, it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Big All right. So I, re- um, I really want to know what you thought about this movie, Glory Road. As far as dramas go, it, it was very well. It was very well executed. Like it, to me, the story out of all of these movies, the the story, um, it it and and he got game had like the best stories outside mm-hmm. of the game of basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would agree. I thought it was a good theme, and it definitely had good hoops action. I mean, you can only get so much realism when you're filming and, and, and you're doing cuts and the actors are doing what they're doing. There was some pretty intense scenes. If people don't know, it takes place in the 1960s, and it's about the first first NCAA team to have an all-black starting five. Josh Lucas was the head coach. Even John Voight, he played the iconic um, 
coach for Kentucky during that time, and they won the national championship. So they take you on this journey and the struggles that these these gentlemen had. Um, and then at the end of the movie, they have interviews with a lot of the players who are still alive and Pat Riley as well. So I would give Glory Road, I would give it a five. I thought it was good acting. I thought it was a good cast. And Lucas, you got to add it to your cue, man. Okay, can you guys explain to me what Pat Riley has relation to this? Was he like a was he on the team or was he uh, Pat Riley playing against them? Pat Riley was playing. He played for Kentucky in the late '60s. -hmm. So, and he was a a well-known collegiate player. And Mm -hmm. he was in the first play of the game. (laughs) He got dunked on, and they and um and then they showed the actual footage of the real game. Him getting dunked on is very very similar. So yeah, Pat Riley was 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 playing in that game and he lost. <laughs> he lost. So to give people a heads up, and we're gonna call a violation on all three play all three people in this podcast right now. None of us have seen Hoosiers. And actually no, I have. Remember? Wait, you've seen Hoosiers? I told you I've seen Oh, that's right. I, the ten passes or less, right? Yeah, ten passes or less, all and right. then the guy got benched. Well, then um, go for it, Lucas. Tell us about Hoosiers. I still haven't seen it yet. How many stars uh, do you give Hoosiers? I honestly, it's been so long, so I need to rewatch it. But from what I do remember, I'd probably give it about, uh, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. I need to rewatch it. But, you know, it was the foundation. Uh, you know, it was one of those like early 1950s, you know, what basketball, you know, development of basketball. And it would follow Gene Hackman as the coach. And obviously Hoosiers, we're talking about Indiana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but like I said, outside of that, I it's been so long because I think I saw it when I was like 12. It's been so long. I need to rewatch it. But I, I did see it. But you know one that we forgot to even mention, talk about before the podcast? What's that? Uncle Drew. Uh, Yo. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's go for it. I mean, Kyrie's hot right now in the media, so anybody <laughs> want to chime in? Uncle I'll Drew, I'll take this one first. I was a huge Uncle Drew fan. Notice he said was. Was. <laughs> <laughs> he said was. All right, let no, us no, have no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I, I would give Uncle Drew uh, a three and a half on a generous day of four out of five stars. Um, okay. The, the basketball scenes were, were dope. Obviously, they, they had Kyrie just kind of just getting his bag and make people look stupid. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, man, I, 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 I take this film thing very serious. Like, this is my life now. You know what I mean? Now I'm not playing. Like, this is what I, I'm really – I've always been interested in, but I'm really, like, engulfed. And as far as a great story and a good execution of, like, setting it up, they did a great job. And it mm-hmm. is hilarious. I'm sorry. Chris Webber character – and Reggie Miller's character. Oh, I love Reggie. It's like, because he couldn't see. Uh, he couldn't see. That was exactly. Like they, <laughs> yo, they, they. It was, it was a bunch of little small nuances and details in that movie. That I was like, I saw it actually right after I got hurt. So maybe that was a little sentimental. But I remember watching it and being like, this is, this is a pleasant surprise. I thought this was going to suck. Lucas, Chris, how many Chris, stars do you give it? I, I give it a four. I love Chris Webber's as well. Chris Webber, Shaq. Uh, I actually liked uh, Nick Kroll in it. The uh, with the yes. actor Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll <laughs> is hilarious. I love most of his stuff. Um, the, you know, and then isn't the, Lisa uh, Leslie in it too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Uh, Chris Webber's 
I, I don't know if this is his wife or girlfriend or they're, yeah, they're connected. She wanted somehow. to kill him, I think, in the movie. Yeah, she, yeah, was, she like, was trying to get him to come back movie. to the church. Yeah. That's what was happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Shaq was in there. That was that was because let's face it, we all love it when Shaq acts because it's Shaq. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. And I guess is that. Oh, hold up! We forgot about one notorious uh, basketball film. Is it the rebound? The rebound? Yep, I'm bringing up the rebound. Go for it! I didn't see it, but (laughs) give us give us your analysis of the rebound. So the rebound for people that haven't seen it is. Martin Lawrence stars in it. He's a pro coach in a, like a made up league and he gets banned from it because he has anger issues and like kicks a ball into a bird and kills the bird or whatever. And then, so the only <laughs> place that would take him back is, is his own uh, like middle school. Yeah, no, it's exactly what it is. So his old middle school is the only place where he can coach. And he takes this group of rejects and turns them into an actual basketball team. And he like, like it's a story of redemption. It's pretty cheesy, but I saw it in middle school. I thought it was cool. The basketball and it was awful though. For a kids movie, kids basketball movie, it's you know it is. If you see it as a kid, it's fun. But if you're an adult, it's probably not. I'll give it a because it has nostalgic for me. I'll give it a three, but it probably deserves more like a two and a half. <laughs> Daryl, did you see the rebound? I did. I, now, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the way you put it was perfect. If you saw it as a kid, <laughs> seriously, like if you saw, if you were in middle school and you were watching, it's like, oh, this is entertaining. This is fun. Martin Lawrence is goofy. The kids are good. You know what I mean? It's a nice little uh, heartfelt story. But as you get older and you watch it, like, it's not, it was really, you could tell it was really like, forget the parents. Like, we're making this movie for the kids <laughs> to like it. But the parents don't have to at all. It's, it's that level of cringy when you get older and watch it again. The basketball was pretty awful on it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was bad. Like it was, it was one of those movies. Like, jeez, it's like Power Rangers for basketball. Oh God! <laughs> on that note, on, <laughs> on I guess we have to wait for Space Jam Two now. Yeah, that'll be exciting. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I honestly can't wait. I, I'm very interested to see how they pull this off. Do you guys think it'll it'll measure up to the original? No, absolutely. Damn. I don't think. Wait, 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 wait. You don't think Lucas, but but Daryl, you think they're going to elevate above the original? I think they're going to do something that's so different that that it's not going to be about doing the original better. It's just going to be like, this is the Space Jam of 2020. This is what we did 20 plus years later. And like, I I honestly think they're smart enough to know. I'm I'm not going to lie. I've been impressed with people's ability to either remake movies or make something that branches off. Like, I tell people all the time, like, one of my favorite shows, I don't give a damn, I watched it today, I was happy as hell when it was on Netflix, Avatar. Like, yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender is a legendary show, just from the story to the execution to the detail that they studied, like, the culture's wit. And then I watched Legend of Korra, and I went into it, like, it's no way in hell they're going to get this right. Like I said, once again, I know that I'm an adult, but I love these <laughs> damn shows. Yeah. Um, hey, no, no, I get it. So I, I watched it too, man. It's all good. Exactly. All right, my man. I, I, I feel like I'm in a safe place right now. It's like uh, anime anonymous over here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> for real though, I, I love it. I got, you. I got you. Exactly. No judgment. Exactly. It's a, it's amazing. And obviously, you you have the ones like Cowboy Bebop that are just timeless and dope on their own. But when I was watching Legend of Korra, I was like, they didn't try to make an Avatar two. They didn't try to make another Avatar show. They took that basic story and made something that was so different. It it, it might have been better. 
Cool. I, yeah, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I can't. I, can't I, I just, I just think. Well, I think time is on their side here because it's been so long since the first one. Uh huh. But at the same token, I just, I as an, I may, I don't know. Maybe it's just the child in me. I just, I'm not. I, I think LeBron James is an underrated actor, but I just, I don't know how. Especially with Looney Tunes not being as relevant as they used to be, I don't know how this is going to play off, and I just don't think it's going to measure up. Well, next time we have Daryl on the pod, we we can discuss it, right? Well, we'll see. It'll probably be a couple yes, months. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. So that yeah. being said, I think we're gonna we're gonna head on out, guys. Uh, Want to say thanks again to Daryl Reynolds for joining us this week. Uh, we appreciate your insight, your opinions on basketball and movies. Uh, Daryl, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media? Uh, thank you, man. Uh, stay tuned, network uh, all around. Stay tuned, network on Twitter. Stay tuned, network on. Uh, Instagram, stay tuned network on LinkedIn, stay tuned network.com. Just, just stay tuned network, stay tuned network, stay tuned network. That's all I can say. Yeah, there we go. And uh, okay, everyone. So just a reminder, please leave a review on Apple, iTunes, or Google play. We really value any feedback you might have for us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And so I think guys, the next time we connect, we'll have some Sixers action to dissect and analyze. It's preseason, of course, but still basketball. So we know you're as excited as we are until then take care and be safe out there. See you guys.